So we're talking about a process. Yes. Does anybody else want to say something? One or two more people. This, this is not uh, okay yet. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Because if we see it as a process, something leading somewhere, because that's a summary of Rick Warren's book. So when you look at that book, when you read it, now try to apply it to your own setting and uh, what you what can work for you you know cultures are different things are different but uh, we can learn principles and apply them so that's a summary of that of that book that there's a process to move a crowd to become this to become this to become this you know it, it drew some concentric circles so there are some books you need to read every once in a while just to catch the spirit of it but there's a key thing which is easy to miss in that book. He attended the program and somebody was pastoring one of the biggest churches in America at that time, singled him out and laid hands on him and prayed for him. How many people remember that in the book? Yeah. So you see, so there was an anointing. There was a spiritual thing that happened. It's not just about systems and that's what I was trying to say the other year. Because if you just put systems in place and the hand of God is not there to make it happen, you are just calculating, you are just doing a body. You are using brain, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Yeah. But you see, those things are not. So nobody wants to say anything about presence again, so we're going on. Okay, yes, sir. Um, also, the use of uh, the, the technology, uh, social media, sometimes you can group people in groups of WhatsApp or whatever media uh, platform that there is, that you can follow up also on the line. Thank you. As a matter of fact, Churches should use technology now. Yeah, there should be WhatsApp things and all that. Let me give you an example. Even just for, think about places where they have snow. You know, they cancel churches in countries that they will say, everybody should not come to church, that you should not come, don't come out because of how much snow and that kind of thing. So they can send email or any other way. So now technology is such a blessing. Because you'll be able to get information across to your people any way you want to get it across now. Yeah, so every group should have a WhatsApp. Every group in church, let's say ushers have their own. This one has their own. There's a general one for everybody. So we want to pass information across that. Uh, I mean, supposing we want to call for prayer tomorrow by social time, we should be able to get that information out. Isn't it? Don't you? Is that not a blessing? Yeah. So that's what he's saying, that we should take advantage of technology. People think technology is evil. They are living in the past world. Because whether you like it or not, technology has come to stay. As a matter of fact, there has always been technology. There has always been technology. Man has always used technology. It's just that this is the one that's available now. What we see as technology now, in many years to come, they will be laughing. They will be laughing at us. I'm wondering, eh? that's what they had. You remember all the phone that you'll be doing green, green, the thing will stop before you start. And I'm like, eh? was that not technology? Why would we'll go and line up in night health. You go and call somebody, I wrote them, aha. When people had uh, what cellular, is that not what they used to call that big phone? <laughs> yeah, it's very rich people that could afford it then. Turaya, yeah. <laughs> look at all those dishes that we in people's houses. That does anybody use them anymore? So there's always been technology. So if you are here, you, are, you don't believe in using technology. You are living in a past world. You don't want to reach people. You don't want to reach the next generation. That worthy oh God to receive glory and honor for you have made all things for your pleasure. They are and were created. You know that so Revelation 4 11 that we sing in a song today. Yeah, everything that's available is for his pleasure. We're to use it to serve God's purpose. 
Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, so we've seen that ministry is service. is serving people. Serving God, of course, and serving people. And we must be intentional about it. We must be intentional about it. Personally, I like to divide things along six lines. Personally, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, material, and social. It's nothing new. It's what you knew before. But that's how I like to reason. Spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, material, and social. So when I'm trying to do anything, I break it down into those six areas. Because sometimes we're focusing on just one area or something. And there are many other areas also. If you are thinking of spiritual, now, if we're talking about becoming effective in ministry now, you can go home yourself and sit down and write spiritual, mental, now, whatever you do, you can do it also. How can there be effectiveness spiritually? On that spiritual, you can write things like prayer, isn't it? Write prayer, fasting, you know, put things like that. How about mental? So what can we do that we use mind to make it work? So things like organization, like if we, we're talking about WhatsApp group now, every group should have so and so and so, so you put that kind of thing on that mental. How do we reach people? How do we check people? So if people give their lives to Christ today, or people do something today, and then their numbers are collected, and a staff calls them within two days, you see, all those things have to be intentional. Research has showed that people will drop out if they are not up to six contacts in the first or so. I, I read research things. It's so deliberate. Human beings are the same. The Bible says there's no temptation that is taking up such as is common to man. That means whatever is happening is a human experience. So you can read things of research from other places and see how they affect your own place here also. So research has showed that in the first six months that somebody gives his life to Christ, unless there are up to six contacts from different angles, the person is likely to drop out. So how do we do that? So it means each person, you see, it will seem like overdue. Do let it be overdue. Let home say contact the person. Let men's group or women's whatever group contact the person. Let so and so con- let staff in the office contact the person. So somebody is calling you from here in the same church. You know, people feel cared for when that is so. It's as though you are concerned for them. Some other people will see that it's too much. Somebody who sees that it's too much, no, doesn't want to be serious yet. You know, you can't force people. Like, yeah, what is it? What did I steal that you are after me? <laughs> Some will even give a wrong phone number. You know, they give you a wrong phone. There's no, there's nothing you can do. They give you a wrong phone number. There's nothing you can do. But you know somebody who's intentional. As you are giving him the phone number, he's flashing you. He's trying to see, you know, yeah. That's somebody who, who lets you know that I'm taking this thing seriously. You know, in, in Young Cho's church, when they gave them the idea of home cell, you know, it's Young Cho that brought home cell idea. You know, he wanted to be the great Cho. He, he wanted to be the greatest pastor in Seoul. Until he had a breakdown. And then he became the biggest pastor in the, in the world at some point. You know, it's amazing. God gave him the home cell idea. And uh, after he was convinced and he saw it in the Bible, he called the men. The men were thinking, what, what we are trying to pay you for? You want us to do it because you are sick. And then when he called the women, hey, you know, women are nice. Hey, pastor, we will help you. And so it's women that really started the home cell issue. You know? And uh, so they have, they call it holy eavesdropping. When somebody has an issue, like somebody who just delivers, something happens to somebody, people will just show up. You know, you know, Pastor Kumi went to go and understudy it. You know, deeper life is like that. Oh, Pastor Kumi went physically to go and study the home system of, and at that time, deeper life became the biggest church in Nigeria. 
He went to stone, understudy how they run the home system. So they call it holy eavesdropping. So just somebody just talking that somebody has just delivered. If somebody delivers, how they, they will so take care of you. Somebody brings soup. Somebody brought drinks this. Somebody go convince you. You want to help that kind of thing. If you are the person and you are not the devil, won't you, take, won't you feel loved? So it's more than preaching from the pulpit. That's the idea. You see, the pastor does his own from here, but everybody should be involved in the work of the ministry. Everybody should be involved. So you can't think it's just preaching. No. All those other angles are important. So think of what you can do. Mental, emotional. How can people engage? Physical, material, social. Try to put things down under all of this and then come up with what you think. Prayerfully, of course, all of this, you are going to be praying and planning and all that and then you come up with ideas. Some will work, some won't work. So don't be afraid to fail. That it won't work, then you do something else again. Yeah, we must keep at it. We must keep trying to do it better. We must keep trying to do it better. Can you please say amen? Amen. So, ministry is hard work. That's the honest truth. Ministry is hard work. Ministry is hard work. Ministry is hard work. There's something they call FAT, F-A-A-T. Faithful, able, available, teachable. Faithful, able, available, teachable. Faithful, able, available, teachable. It's required of a steward that the man be found faithful. In the parable of talents, Jesus gave them according to their abilities. So you are giving things according to your ability. So if your ability increases, you'll be given more. And how do we develop our abilities? By knowing more. Like some of the things we've been talking about now, we set some people thinking along some lines, seeing things from a broader perspective. We are learning from one another, seeing things differently. Some things we may not have seen a particular way, we are seeing them in a particular way. And then available. Yeah. And then teachable. So, how do we touch people? How do we reach people? We should keep thinking about that. What do we do? You know, we have to get our hands dirty doing the work. Yeah, it's work. It's not about sitting down. This is not about sitting down and posing and everybody serving you. No, no, it's about work. It's about hard work and labor. Find out what your assignment is and immerse yourself into it. Immerse yourself into it. Psalm 127, 1 to 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor in vain, who build it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So we see, unless the Lord, unless the Lord. But now here, verse 2. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. You know, when we quote that scripture, we make it seem that we should not rise up early or sit up late. But that's not what the Bible is saying. It's the purpose of rising up as in the Bible is talking about. It's vain for you to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. That's what is vain. Jesus used to rise a great while before day to pray. So you need to go the extra mile. You need to rise and pray. If you want to sleep all the sleep you want, eat all the food you want, do things at your convenience, you won't see the result that we are talking about. So it's vain for you to rise up early to stop late to eat the bread of sorrows. That's what's vain. 
Because that means you are anxious. Be anxious for nothing. So that's what the Bible is against. The Bible is not against rising up early. Jesus used to rise up a great while before day. Jesus in Luke's gospel, the Bible tells us about his praying all through the night before he picked his disciples. Proverbs 31 woman, and it's painted positively. You see, there's a spirit of scripture. If something is painted positively in the Bible, it means that thing is right. It means it's positive. The Proverbs 31 woman wakes up before people in the house. And, and, and then she stays up late also. The virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. Yeah. So rising up early is not wrong. Sitting up late is not wrong. Is what is wrong is to do that to eat the bread of sorrows. That's what is wrong. So that's the hard work. A sacrifice. Pour your life into it. Pour your resources into it. Everything that can be used for God's purpose, for ministry to be effective, it has to be intentional. You can't even imagine the schedule of the pastor, the boys, the bishop, the post of this world. You can't imagine their schedule. You can't imagine their schedule. None of us can imagine their schedule. You think it's easy life? You can't imagine their schedule. You, you can't imagine it. You can't imagine how much hard work we go into those things. You can't imagine it. So, if you haven't got it yet, details are very important. Details. So, if we're going to be intentional, we're not talking about general things, general things, just general. Okay, people come, okay, so, 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 okay, general, no specific details. No assignable to this. Not what happens from here to here. What exactly so and so. So you see, we must ask questions a lot about things. Let's read First Kings chapter six verse one. I love that scripture. I will say why in a while. First six, First Kings six one. And it came to pass in the four hundred and eightieth year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that like he began to build the house of the Lord. So, it's fourth year of Solomon's reign that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now, look at this. In the 480th year, that house of God that Solomon built, I want to ask you a question. What was the big deal about? What was the important thing? The Holy of Holies, where God's presence was going to be, isn't it? That was the essence of the whole thing. Now, the temple was the zenith of the worship of Israel in the Old Testament. Tabernacle of Moses and then Solomon's temple. And the issue was the ark. Because God's presence was going to be there. You know what we just read now? The same ark, 480 years after, was still in place. Have you seen any piece of furniture that lasted 480 years? Now, are you beginning to see why the details were so important? God told Moses, do so, 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 use so, so kind of wood, measure so, so, so here, do so, so, so here, so, so, so here, because 480 years after that thing, so, are you seeing why God is interested in details of our lives? Why he wants to be interested in when we wake up, when we sleep, what we eat, what we read, all those kind of things, details. So if we're going to see results that will last, we must be after details. Furniture for 80 years. So how detailed are you as a person? How detailed are you about process and procedure? How detailed are you about things that are happening in the work of the ministry? How detailed are you? Are you interested in who got born again? Are you interested in how they are reached after? Does it make any difference? And they came, and they didn't come. And, you know, 
if you are excited about it that way, I don't know whether God will bring people. But if you take it that seriously, that you are after details, to check up on people, to find out what happened to them, to put something in place to know how they will stay, how they become so and so, and then we call a meeting, and we are not happy and say, but how? How come? How come we can't trace this person now? What, what happened to the person? How do we know so and so and so? That, the father is eating you. What does the Bible say? The zeal of his father's house. Numbers 8, 19. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle. God said, I have given Levites as a gift to Aaron. Chapter 18, verse 6. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel, and they are a gift to you. And what we want to see now is that in the work of the ministry, God we always give you gifts. The resources you need, human and material, all those things will be available for the work. God would have been a wicked God if he was asking Israel for what he had not first given them. When he said Moses should tell them that they should ask for jewels, for jewelry, when they were going to leave Egypt, what are they going to use it for in the wilderness? Ask for gold, ask for silver, you know? One side is that they were paid for all the years of servitude. I'm talking about when Israel was leaving Egypt. And you know, it's not normal. How can you ask your madam to say, Madam, I won't borrow your jewelry. Are you the craze? <laughs> you won't borrow jewelry. Take, do it. But she, God said they should do it, and they did it, and they, they gave them. So they were paid for all those years of servitude. But what were they going to use those things for in the wilderness? Next thing, God said to Moses, ask people to give. So it's because he had first given them that he could ask. So when God does a work, believe me, what resources you will need will be available. Human resources will be available. Material resources will be available. First Samuel 10.26 And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. I saw this long ago, and I said to myself, when it was time to start the work, that there will be people whose heart God had taught to go with me. And I must find them. I must know who they are. And thank God I knew who they are. And they are still there up till now. So many years after. Each person plays a different role. Everybody is different. So we, we befriended. I befriended. We were friends. We eat together. Play squash together. Visit one another's home. And when we are having a meeting, you will know whether it's a meeting we are having or we are eating. Because we have... We, we are, so we, I poured my life in. You know, God took up the spirit of Moses and put upon those other people. Even if it's mechanic work, somebody learns. After two, three years, will the person not, not do freedom? But you know, there are some mechanics that stay with the yoga. Does yoga continue to treat them like somebody need? They become partners. The problem sometimes is we don't allow people to play the roles God has brought them to play in our lives. That's why everybody wants to start his own. If people are allowed to play, the, you see, Sometimes people are not secure. I love something about David. When David was run out of town by his son, unfortunately, and he was leaving, they brought the ark to him. They wanted him to go with the ark. And what did David say? David said, take the ark back. He said, if God is pleased with me, I will come back to the ark. That's security. He was a secure person. He was secure in the grace and gift of God upon his life. He was not afraid of any other person. 
Because he could have said, bring the ark along, really. He said, no, if God, that's not to carry the ark away. The ark is for Israel. If God is with me, I will come back to the ark. So many times, people are, they are threatened by other people's gifts. It's a blessing that those who are working with you can do well. Otherwise, you will never travel. You can't leave home. You can't go anywhere because church will scatter when you are not at home. It's better they're able to do it better than you. So if God opens the door for you anywhere, you see, that's an area of ministry that you can be more useful in because if God wired you, we talked about itinerary ministry. I've told you I, I preach outside the church, I pastor more than inside. If there are no competent people, do you think that would be possible? Sorry, you said somebody asked a question. Would the people know it? No, no, it's attitude. You see, that, that, that's what it makes it look like. Once you make it clear that it's not your own, it's not your property, let me tell you the honest truth. I'm not criticizing anyone over this. I'm just telling you, you know, fortunately, the church I pastor is not in Abuja. So you can't think I'm trying to promote the church for you to join. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? In my life, I have never said my church. Nobody has ever heard me say it. And I'm not saying it's wrong for anyone to say it. That's what I'm telling you. I'm not criticizing somebody over it. But I'm just talking about my own personal attitude. Because these things are about attitude. So when people are with you, and they see that it's not your personal property, you are not running it like your personal property. It's easy to buy in. See, people buy into you before they buy into division. They buy into you. That's why character is important. Your character. They can see that this thing is real. This person is not pretending. This person is not deceiving. Those people are not fools. They, they went to university. They are not fools. Yeah, can you think of staying with somebody like that for 28 years and you're still together and you don't go somewhere else? You know the funny thing? I've never said nobody should leave. It has never come up in a discussion that please, let's work together, let's stay together. It has never happened. Because if somebody wants to leave, it, once they are living properly, things are okay, we will try our best to be a blessing to the person who wants to leave. So once people see your heart, because people are not fools, so once people see that it's not your personal property, the way things are structured, the way things are run, here it is. My wife has never taken offering before in 28 years in that church. That's never happened, not once. Do you think that's chance or luck? Do you think it's anointing? No. It's just natural common sense. Because some people believe pastors carry offering home normally. So by the time a pastor's wife is taking offering, so it's not wrong for a pastor's wife to take offering, but from the beginning we never allowed her to take offering. We just, yeah, there's no need. There's no need. So, you see that individuality comes up in these things. Your personal, and God doesn't cancel it. So, don't say the way everybody is doing something is the way you must do it. It's, it. If you can find it in the Bible, do it. If it's not in the Bible, God knows your personality. God knows your ideas and all that. And there are people like you that he wants to reach. Yeah, so when they see how things are, they will come. Also, no, they, they won't be, it has worked for me. I always believed it and it happened. It happened. So there are people I pass who are high up in society and all that kind of thing. It's not, yeah, yeah, I don't run after anybody. I can say anything I want to say. I don't need anybody's money to feed. Can I tell you another thing? I don't know who tithes or who doesn't. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who types of yeah, that's accountants, so it's not my work. But if you are going to be a minister, if you want to ordain somebody, we'll fill form, you fill form, and as a question to ask that, do you type? Do you type to Vine Branch? Because you have no business being a leader if you don't type. Yeah. But another person who does it, there's tight card and but I don't check it because I don't want to deal with people based on that. It's not wrong. But you know, in the Western world, there's tight record, it's tax deductible. So, this record has to be there. But in Nigeria, as of today, it's not so. But I know myself, if, if I know that you don't I won't take you seriously. <laughs> so, it's better I don't know. <laughs> so, so, I talk, I can open my mouth and say anything. I don't mean anything in the sense of something negative. But you know, when you are looking at people's face for food, there's a difference in how you talk. So you can't say everything the way you want to say that. Ah, let him not be annoyed now and carry his money away. Yeah. <laughs> I can say anything. It doesn't matter to me. Because I don't need your money. And there's an attitude of whether you give or not, you see that it will be done. You see that it will be done. And it's always done. And you've seen that it will be done. So you know it's a privilege to give to God. So, but you see, listen to me. If now I go and sell everything we have at home to put in church, and I tell everybody in church that I sold everything in our house and put in church. Is it, is it not likely I will do it like my personal property? Because my investments must come. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I also give like other people give. I give my best as other people give. Probably proportion more than that because I believe in the work myself. What I'm trying to say is I don't do it like my personal property. Because if there's no food at home, because we gave all the money to children. The Bible talks about who withholds more than his meat, it tends to poverty. If your children can't eat because you gave all the money to church, they will grow up thinking God is bad. They grow up thinking we are hungry because God is wicked. And it's daddy that did something foolish. It's not God. So allow this people to function. I already read Numbers 34, 17. God called Moses, called Bezali, called all the people who divide land and things like that. I'm sure our time will soon be up. So let me quickly sow a thought to you here. Look at Psalm 37, verse 25. Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young, now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaking nor his descendants begging bread. Now, David said this. I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Hear what Jesus said in John 21, 18. John 21, 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you guarded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will guard you and carry you where you do not wish. He was saying this to Peter, telling him how he would die later. But you know what I find instructive here? Both David and Jesus said, you are either young or old. They didn't say anything in between. You know, when you are talking normally, you talk about a child, talk about adult, adolescent, you know, you know all those things we say, and they are fine. But they simplified it. I was young. Now I'm old. And then Jesus said, Peter, when you are younger, you go here and there as you like, but when you are old. So I said to myself one day, what are the advantages of youth? What are the advantages of age? I actually did a series that I titled Strategic Living. I thought, if a young person maximizes the strength of youth and can access whatever advantages of the old while young, the person's life is enriched. And the person who is old and takes advantage of whatever 
old person has and at the same time can leverage on whatever a young person has, it means that person also is enriched. So let's think about the advantages of youth so that we can see how this works in the work of the ministry. Do you know the first thing the Bible talks about concerning youth is imagination? It's in Genesis, isn't it? God said, Genesis 22, the imagination of his man is evil from his youth continually. The first time we hear the word youth in the Bible, it starts to imagination. Do you know young people are very imaginative? You see, look at our, all of us who are here now. We are mostly of the same generation. If the next generation must serve God, we must enter their mind. We must know how they think. So, you need younger people in your team. We need people who will reason the way they reason. People who know how to deal with technology, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have grandchildren. In our own time, if somebody held your phone, don't let that child drop that phone. Small children or not, they don't drop phone. I don't know why. They don't drop phone. <laughs> they won't drop it. Uh, three-year-old, I have a three-year-old daughter. She can't, she won't drop phone. You don't need to tell her, be careful with that phone. You know how much it is? I don't know. You know, when we were born, they didn't see our eyes. One week, sometimes, before somebody will open eyes, three days, now they come out with their eyes open. The world is changing. The world is changing. That's what I said. The world is changing. Imagination. So all this Facebook, all the things now, do you know they were all young people when they started these things? They were in their 20s. All these things that are happening all over the world now. Imagination. All the people who have money now, stupid money, is, is sense. Look at Uber. They don't have vehicle. And yet, look at uh, this Bezos. Amazing. That's how I would say we need to know we need to know things happening around the world. Yeah, everybody who has stupid money now, they don't have office. They don't have where they, they don't have any. Can you imagine not owning something and then you have the largest property network and then you don't own building? Imagination. So we have to think. How do we reach people? So we have to engage younger people. So I was talking about strength of youth, imagination. Number two, strength. Proverbs 2029. Please, can you give us Proverbs 2029? The glory of young men is their strength. Yeah, so physical strength. Young people have physical strength. And then passion. So those are the three main things about youth. Imagination, strength, and passion. Young people are very passionate. If you see two people fighting outside, it's very unlikely the person will be 65. 65 years don't fight. It's young, but I say, nonsense. You abuse my mother. No. Who yeah, the person is young. That's why it's full of passion like that. So when young people are playing music in the car, no, 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 you're making noise. So you're very passionate as a young person. So all those terrorists, all bombers, all those people, you already are young. And robbers are young. It's when you are young that you have passion. You have wife, you have children at home. You know what? You're going to pay school fees. You be, even if somebody abuses your mother, you say it's not your fault. <laughs> Why young person say you abuse my mother? Did you hear him? And then he wants to fight. <laughs> so those are the three key things about youth. Imagination, strength, and passion. So, you see, you sit down and think, how can we channel their imagination for the work of the ministry? Because there are things they can think of. Oh, 
my goodness, if you know what young people know and they do and the ideas they will give you, it's not all that will be correct. It's not all that you will take. But if you listen to younger people, if you hang around younger people, you will know how to reach the next generation. So you must, you must befriend them. You must get some of them on board. You must have a way of reaching them and asking them what they think about things. And ask them, how do they just tell you? Small thing, they will just say, no, we can connect this way that we understand of it. Or what you have been sweating about. But you know, when you think young people, you know what they are doing. They are always wearing jeans and t-shirt. Is it about jeans and t-shirt or about reaching lives? And we talked about strength. Yeah, they are full of energy. So they are always jumping. They, are, they have strength. So you say their praise worship is not spiritual enough that uh, you know, they are just jumping. They are just jumping. Yeah, they have energy. They must jump. And then passion. They are very passionate. So when you want to drive some areas of ministry, they are interested in, yeah, young people have to be there. Because they are passionate about something. Then advantages of age. Wisdom. The Bible teaches that clearly, isn't it? Wisdom. Experience. Maturity. So I believe there are three key advantages of youth, three key advantages of age. Wisdom, experience, and maturity. So you see, you can do it for yourself. As an older person now, if you are older, you already have wisdom, you have experience, you have maturity. So can you also have imagination? So, how do you tap into imagination to enrich your life? Part of them is to hang out with younger people. Get, talk to them. Talk to them. Befriend them. Find out what they are reading. Find out what they are watching. Find out things that matter to them. That way, you have enriched your scope because you are taking advantage of your own natural ones and then you are reaching out to their own as well. And then you can utilize their strength also for the purpose that you are interested in. And also passion, like I've said. So if a young person also wants to be strategic, he also can reach out to the wisdom, the experience, and the maturity of age. For instance, if he reads a book of somebody who has gone ahead of him, or if he also has older friends, oh, I benefited from that as a younger person. Like our sister was talking about mentorship. I, I had some older friends. Because when you, if you meet somebody who is young, and the person is very mature now, the person may have lived with old people. People who live with grandparents. Any small thing, they have a proverb. They will give you one proverb. It's old people, they live it, that's why. Because all of those sayings came from experiences of life. So when you meet somebody, a young person who is very wise, the person in all likelihood has lived with older people. So a young person can tap, and whatever your age now, there are people who are older, isn't it? So we can tap into their wisdom. We can tap into their strength. You know, one time, the press came after Benihim. Went after him, I should say. They wanted to destroy him at the time. You know what he did? He just went to see your robots. Just went to see your robots. Because Benny Hinn was, a, or is, I can see, say, the best known minister of a particular kind of his generation. Or robots was of his own generation. Or robots was still alive then. And he knew the press must have gone after our robots before. And all he did was to go and visit our robots. See what is that? So, uh, you know, that one would just give him one or two tips. And that would be the end of it for him. I heard Ben he say it on tape. So that's what we're saying. Reaching out to those older, their wisdom, their experience, their maturity. You see, even though times are different, human beings are the same. So some have solved these problems before us. Some have been involved in those things. So as a rule, the direction you believe God wants you to go, 
Go and read after those who have gone in that direction before you. Go and find out how they did it. You will learn principles there that will work for you. So, wisdom, experience, and uh, maturity. I'm sure our time will almost be up. So, let's have some suggestions now along the lines we have just discussed where we are concluding before we take our break. Because you know, I'm used to the pace now, so I know we'll hear boy in a few minutes. So, what can we learn from younger people? From what we have said. We've said the points. So now, what can somebody give us something you f- saw in a particular way or found out now that can benefit all of us? You know, the idea is all of us, we're interested in all of us becoming more effective. If one puts a thousand fire and two put ten thousand to flight, you know, we are too many here to change this country. The number of us here today, if all of us will go and do what God will have us do, this country will turn around. So I'm, I'm waiting for a suggestion. Who wants to talk? Yes, sir. Number one, number two. Anybody else? Thank you, sir, for this wonderful privilege, sir. My name is Benga. Um, like what you said, in my locality where I live, I have found out that younger people are asking questions that I never heard. Nobody's talking to them. Nobody's asking them questions. And I got to meet a younger person he is so young that he's, he tries to go and catch young people also in the environment. And I asked him what was the challenges, was like communicating with them. And I told him, you need to know. For example, I went to my barber shop. I just asked a young boy, what do you want to become? The guy said he doesn't know. Just so little boy. And I asked him, what do you like to play? What football call? He said, Mayu. That means you can be a good footballer. Do you want to play for Mayu? Yes. So small like this. And from there, I was able to connect to another younger person. Let me go to talk about rap music, what they listen to. They cannot begin to tell me things young people listen to today. So I think for people like us, we need to pay attention and to see the questions they are asking that they are not saying. That's how we can get to them. Let's then put our hands together for him. Yeah. We need to enter their world. If you write them off, like they don't know what they are doing, they have nothing to offer, the opportunity we have to guide them will be lost. It will be wasted. That, that's a very important. I believe in the NSAS protest. Let me tell you the truth. I believed in it because Nigeria needs a drastic change. I don't mean, I, I, I don't believe in violence or burning things and all that, but it was necessary for young people to rise up. And they showed this country because some people said funny things in the past. I don't know if you are aware that former President Mabangida once said young people can't do anything. They can't lead in this nation. They can't. Yeah, he once said that at the time. You know, as though there's nothing in young people at all. But those people handled things so well. You know, with technology, they raised money that they couldn't catch them. Not only that, they gave accounts. Yeah, they didn't steal money. They didn't, you know, so they showed that it's a great But you know, part of it, education. All those ones that are very say people in Lekki, you know, you know, they went to school. You know, their parents are not poor. <laughs> so people even thought they would carry me they thought somebody even came from abroad and said they heard they carried me I said, no, they didn't carry me because yeah we put things out a new nigeria we put it out it went online and the people need that so i i, I supported it up to now i believe in fact i advised them that they should go and form political party 
I said you should not just end with end protests like that. I would just press that they should go and form party because it's still through elections that things will change in the country. That is, you find somebody did no violence, no different. Anyway, let's leave that alone. But they use energy for something. How many people of your age followed them in those demonstrations? You see? Do you know when Obafemi Awolo was, he called those people, when they were leading in this nation? Do you know they were young people? Yes. They started in their 30s. They were in their 30s. Yeah. Thank you very much. So let's enter the award if we want to reach them. Yes, my sister. I wanted to say that the young people are very active on the social media. You can tap and bring them in because if one was advanced, even as a church, you need them to tell you how you can use the social media to reach out to people. A lot of them, a lot of them yeah. are there and they're using it very effectively. Yeah. So we can engage them in our social media activities to enable us to know how we can actually even reach their age because they know how to reach themselves. So I think we should take advantage of that. Thank you very much. So it's very correct. So our social media group in church is young people that are there, not old people. There's just a pastor in charge. There are young people that are there. What are old people looking for there? So, so the things they are putting out, yeah, they're the ones doing it by themselves. They're the ones doing it by themselves because they, they know what to do. They know how to reach people. They know how to get people. They know what to connect. They know the kinds of things that should come out. And you better to spend money. Because they, they, yeah, because there are things they need to buy, there are things they need to buy. Once everything is straight, because you see, if you quench their zeal, yeah, you go and express it somewhere else. That's it. So utilize it. You don't raise your hand before now. Okay. It's because I know we still have a few minutes. Yes, go ahead. Please give her a microphone. You want to ask a question? No, I'm asking you. You raise your hand, isn't it? That's why I said you give me a microphone. Go ahead. Don't worry. I mean, I'm sure the second thing will go off anyway. <laughs> Once it goes off now, that's the end of it. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy for this lectures. I want to ask a question based on the experience. As a missionary, sir, uh, I want to ask you a question. You, you talk you about details. You talk about uh, we, should, we should invest all. We should pour our heart. We should pour our investment on this thing. And as you start a church, by the grace of God, you have gone around, pour your heart in evangelism. Time to time, time without number, every week, two, three times. And it happens you get some people that identify, especially the indigents. Just suddenly, those indigents, they just go back. You keep going to encourage them. You pour your heart, as you said. All you try to find out the details about how you can pray and reject, but yet no way they decide to sit down. So how can you do to get that person? Thank you. To get those people. Unfortunately, the time we have, I won't be able to do justice to what we said. But yesterday, I don't know if you were here yesterday, we talked about culture. When you understand the culture of a people, see, don't think the devil wants to let somebody go easily. Somebody who has been on the devil's domain, the person leaves, the devil is fighting hard to get the person back. Sometimes there are cultural issues. Because if after you leave now, 
their people make them feel they are less or something is wrong with them or they have betrayed the tribe or whatever by becoming Christians and you have walked away. You need to understand that culture. Do you stay there with them, for instance? Do you eat their food with them? Do you, you see, so there, it's a wide subject. It's a wide subject because it means if they believed at a time and they followed you, there's something else that happened in the interim, which is part of what I talked about a long-term thing. I talked about attaching over to somebody over a period of six months to get business. Yeah, because when you leave, there, there, there's a layer from the camp of the enemy trying to get the person back. There are places, Islam uses money, for instance, against people. Yeah, they try to, look, in, when my children were at the university, to pass the, the, the first professional exam in medical school, it's tough. It can weed you normally. They were doing lectures in mosque to make sure Muslim students will pass. Some Christians were going to attend it because they wanted to pass. Because they offered that to their own people. You see what I'm trying to say? So they let them see that there's an advantage in remaining a Muslim. So for the person to get born again, and so the person is saying, ah, but I want to pass this exam. But you, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, so it's white. It's a white thing. You have to understand their culture. You have to enter their world, as we are saying, to know what will make them to stay at the end of the day. You need to give them education. Oh, there are many things, you know, we, are, we, are, we support some missionaries, you know, and uh, we have some who on their own. It's, it's a, missions is a lot of work. Do you have solid prayer support? Do you have people who are backing you up? Because, you know, there are people who just go out on missions field on their own. No, somebody didn't send them. They went by themselves. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of suffering. They are sick and they die and nobody looks after them and they are angry with the church when it's not, they are not part of that church that sends them out. So those are things you need to weigh carefully. You need to be sure of how you need to operate that will make sure there is some backing, some people are praying for you, some resources are available to do what you are trying to do, not just that you went out just because of zeal. I was talking about structure and system and things like that. They are very important emissions today. Uh, you know how many people died when they were coming to Africa? Then, yeah, but, but you see now, see what has happened because they gave us education, they gave us schools, you know, they gave us hospital and all of that. We can stand on our own. We don't need a woman to come here anymore. But see how long it took and things they needed to put in place. So missions today, with what we now know, should not be somebody, even, even uh, acts of the apostles like a tale of two cities. Some people went out from Jerusalem, others went out from Antioch. They had to go back to report and you will see Paul will write something and he will say so that you will send me on my journey what does that mean you are going to give me money when I'm going you will back me up when I'm going yeah so there are many angles to it there has to be some consistent thing that will make you check be checking up on those people so Paul will say let's go back to the places where we had prayed before to see how they are doing you can't just leave them and you think they will remain no they won't I'm surprised the bell has not gone a second time Bell has used to save us. Okay. So, does any other want to say something? Because I think this is a long break now, Pastor. This one will be the 20 minutes break. Okay. Yeah. Does anybody want to say anything? I'm wondering whether I should move on to the next thing, or, but I think it's going to sound now. So that uh, we won't overload our brain. Oh, we have three more minutes. Uh, okay. Thank you. So, since nobody has indicated that they want to say something. Oh, someone raised their hand. Uh, okay, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, mine is a major concern. Uh, just like you talk about the youths 
about the youths in the church. Youth, okay. Yes, sir. Because if you look at maybe Pentecostal churches, and, uh, when a pastor starts a church, a particular age group, his age are there. Getting the youth, the younger ones, as they grow older, is 50, 60, becomes a challenge. I, I don't know what you mean. What, what I mean is that if a church is growing and the people, the age group that started the church, a particular age group is there, like your age now, for instance, a good number of the people are your age, 10 years above or below. Now, the younger, much younger generation following up, and the children of those people following up, sometimes you have found out from some of them drifting to other churches. And then, for example, now, like in Europe now, a good number of the churches have become empty. One of the challenges is inability to have carried the younger generation. So how do we avoid such challenges in Nigeria? We are intentional about it. That's what we've been trying to say. We've become intentional about it. You see, I know the age I was when the church I pastor started. I know the age I am now. Even my children are married now. So everybody's going to age gradually if you are not intentional about reaching younger people. So that's just the idea. You see, what we will use, but we don't know what you will use, but what we should be after is, because it's as though every new generation has to be re-evangelized. But that's not what we see in the Bible. In the Bible, things that you have received of me among many witnesses, the same commits that of faithful people, who we also commit to. That's what the Bible teaches. So we should be passing it on. God will introduce us as God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations at the same time. So we should be passing it on. So how to do it is what we are talking about. Hopefully, we might be able to get into it when we come back. We have uh, the bell has stopped us for now. But that's what happens to them in Europe. And if it's not going to happen to us here, we must be intentional about it.